Enough with embrace debate. Pointless yelling at each other on ESPN and Fox. Yet very little actual content. It's time for a change. A voice from the fan. For the fan. The most compelling topics in sports. All covered here. This is Corbett's Corner. Okay, welcome in. This is the Wednesday edition of Corbett's Corner. Again, our college basketball uh, focused pod here. We're usually going to try and attack these on a Wednesday. Got some great games. Of course, we're recording this on a Monday night. Uh, Tuesday's got a couple of games good for you. Uh, I know Kansas in action against Kentucky and then also Michigan State against Duke. Uh, one that I caught my eye on Wednesday that uh, is the day of posting. I'm sure Matt's going to talk about more about Illinois and Baylor. Uh, that looks to be the matchup of Wednesday night. Um, again, and a little too, I'm in negotiations with uh, Believe Podcast Network. I might be getting a UFC guy on the schmo. Uh, I was I didn't catch this guy's first name, but a uh, pretty good UFC guy. So I might start having him on for Friday. So we might talk this uh, weekend's card that's coming up. Uh, so stay posted to that. All right, so a lot packed here for Corbett's Corner. Matthew Cruz and Tyler Dawson here. Um, and let's get right into it by recapping our teams. Of course, Bradley, all three of us. Uh, I've got BC. We'll get into Illinois, Minnesota, Q's. Uh, let's start with Bradley. They escape against Toledo. Um, they had a thriller against Xavier in which they were 10-point dogs, ended up losing by just one. Uh, and then they ended up – it was right on the number, right, in their most recent game in which they ended up beating Bryant. Um, so Bradley's got to be feeling good. Two and one, a close loss against a tough Xavier team. Um, but, you know, you guys are the aficionados. Let's start with Matt. How has been the start for the Braves? It was good. Uh, yes, they wanted to come away from the week two and one or better, which they did. I got to correct you. They beat Oakland on Friday. Oakland, very, thank you. A very woeful Oakland program. But, yeah, uh, Toledo's a good team as well. Like, that's that's a good quality win, especially first game with a bunch of new faces. I was particularly interested to see how the newcomers did, the newcomers being uh, mainly transfers, guys who sat a year or, like, Shawnee's immediately eligible. And uh, bottom line, I was impressed with what I saw. Shawnee's was a great pickup from UMass coming over, still as a sophomore. Terry Nolan Jr., um, you already see the clutch genes that he has with the game winner against Toledo. I guess not as clutch as we wanted to see when he missed the front end of the one-on-one against Xavier, but he made us read the possession before. <clears throat> really like what I saw out of him, both ends of the ball. Elijah Childs, exactly what we expected as advertised. He was Missouri Valley Player of the Week. Uh, yeah, overall, it was just great to see him back on the court, and they uh, they looked like we expected. Yeah, no, going off of what Matt said, um, no, I was real impressed with uh, what I saw with the Braves, um, especially the game on Thanksgiving with them coming out as 10-and-a-half-point underdogs or 10-point uh, dogs and being able to stay in it the entire game. I mean, it was a very entertaining uh, game, especially Braves did a great job defensively, did a great job offensively, just unfortunately comes up a little shorthanded there when they can't make the front end of the one-and-one. but. Um, I was listening to the game on Wednesday. Uh, I got to hear the great call of Dave Snell when Terry Nolan hit the game winner. And uh, he made me feel like I was in that arena. So great call by Dave Snell there. And glad that the Braves were able to get that one done against Toledo. 
Um, it'll be interesting to see how they move going forward. I feel like there's a lot of depth on the team. Uh, Vile is very, very great shooter. He feels uh, in great for Canel, where obviously the Braves are going to be losing a lot of three-point shots that Canel had. So hopefully Vile can keep it up from beyond the arc. And then um, another guy that I thought was very good defensively was Ari Boya. Uh, we touched on it on the first pod. Uh, the big thing is just to make sure that he stays out of foul trouble because he's such a big presence inside and he can clog up the paint so that obviously the other team can't get the easy buckets. Yeah, so you mentioned Eliza Child picking up right where he left off. Uh, the stats are incredible. And then, Ty, you just mentioned uh, you saw some depth. Um, but is it a team that kind of lives and dies with Child? 16 points, eight boards. How about he's leading the teams in steals, blocks? Uh Northern Iowa, I don't know if it was tough competition, slow out of the gate. That was a team, you know, I think we were all collectively pretty high on. I thought they were going to win the Valley. They get out of the gate 0-3. Bradley starts out 2-1. and I don't know, just further thoughts. Does anyone – did we kind of wake up and realize some different things maybe we previously didn't think from last week about, uh, you know, the tiers in this conference? Not really to me. The week kind of went as expected. Like you said, Northern Iowa played tough competition. They – lost to Western Kentucky, which I expected without Trey Burhow, their second best player. And then they blew a huge lead against St. Mary's, I believe. Uh, back to Bradley. Yes, obviously everything runs through Childs, but no, I wouldn't say they live and die by him. They had to play 15 games without him last year. So one, they got used to that. Two, they held their own when they did. Yes, that was with some different players, but still the point is, no, Bradley has depth. One uh, one guy who did caught my eye, and I'm not expect, I wasn't expecting anything from him this year, was freshman Darius Hanna. Uh, lefty, he actually kind of reminds me a little bit of Elijah Childs. Um, same, similar frame, similar skill set. Uh, he had 12 and 8 against Oakland in the last game, Sports Center top 10. So uh, we'll see if he contributes more this year, which, I mean, he looked like he was ready to play. The big thing with freshmen is defense. They're not usually ready defensively, so they rarely play for Wardle, but we'll see if that changes. You guys got a tough opponent coming up here in the Judson College Eagles. Um, what in the hell? How did that sneak onto the schedule? But here's something interesting. They got South Dakota State two games from now. So that's my neck of the woods. So, um, yeah, Ty, so final thoughts? No, final thoughts. Um, exactly what Matt said. Um, I'm glad that he touched on Darius Hanna because, I mean, the guy has absolute bounce. Put a guy on a poster if you didn't see it on Sports Center Top 10. Um, but, yeah, for Northern Iowa um, – Exactly what we were talking about. Northern Iowa has just shooters. They got in a bunch of big track meets, losing 93-87 to Western Kentucky. I was on Northern Iowa plus two, and obviously they didn't get it done. But then, yeah, they put a – the thing is, it looks like they're lacking defensively. So I don't know what it is defensively they have gone, but obviously they can, I mean, shoot the ball. That's for sure. Yeah, so a nice start for the Braves, two and one. Um, being a reasonable start for my Boston College Eagles, they're one and two. I think they've surprised some people, certainly surprised me. Um, they had Villanova on the ropes, ended up uh, giving away that game late, but still covered. Uh, you know, in a couple of pick 'em matchups here, Vegas is still having trouble figuring out how to cap this team, but they were basically in a pick 'em that ended up becoming a dog at the closing line against URI, end up winning that one opposite line movement here uh open as a pick them end up going to a favorite and they lose 97 to 93 now what's crazy and what's different about this team from previous years is boston college was down as many as 20 today against st john's and they almost damn near came all the way back and won 
that does not happen with this team. Um, so, you know, I'm watching this game. I'm halfway, you know, halfway through the game thinking, all right, great. This is just – I got suckered in by this team again. I don't know. I'm still going to stick it out with them. They, it was a great second half. The level of competition they're going to face this year because we have no non-conference or basically very little non-conference um, is we're facing all these good teams out of conference. URI, St. John's, we've got Florida coming up. So, I mean, we're going to get better as a basketball team, but that doesn't mean anything to me in year eight of Jim Christian. You know, I would have loved to have that with a new coach testing out some guys. So I'm getting – I'm kind of tempering my excitement, but – I'm loving this guy that you turned me on to, Matt. Rich Kelly, the grad transfer coming in. Guy off the bench just, you know, doesn't look like he belongs on the court, but then comes out and he averages 10 points. Um, just a real spark off the bench. Winston Tabs, Jay Heath, these guys are two excellent guards. It's just more of a – it's more of a collective five, I guess, than really kind of leaning on Jerome Robinson, Kai Bowman. Um, what have you guys seen? I know – Matt, you watched a little bit of that Nova game, Ty. You were checking out St. John's so far. BC, uh, usually a laughing stock. They're going to be the laughing stock of the ACC, but are they going to hang around a little bit this year? What have you guys seen? I, I could see them hanging around a little bit. I did see the Nova game look good there. I saw about 10 minutes today. I started watching that at eight-point lead, and by the time I turned it off in the first half, they were losing by seven or eight. So, I yep. didn't want uh, – no, bottom line, Rich Kelly fucks. There's no other way to put it. So, <laughs> Literally. <laughs> you have uh, to, to, I want you to Google this right now. If you haven't seen him, Rich Kelly. And, yeah, he fucks. That's all I got. <laughs> all right, et cetera. Uh, excellent, excellent point, Ty. No, I, I think uh, that they'll definitely be able to hang around some games. I mean, as you saw today, like Matt was saying, I think it's just going to be a season of runs for them. They're going to either – get on a nice 15-0 run, or they're going to be on the opposite side of it, giving up a 15-point run. But uh, BC has some shooters. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. Uh, they can really spread the floor uh, nicely. And, I mean, St. John's, uh, that's the game that I caught most of today. I watched the whole first half and then a decent amount of the second half. Uh, it, it just looked like, at least in years past, BC, to me, is known more to slow down the tempo and try to run the offense where St. John's is a complete opposite. Oh. They're going to get a shot up in the first eight seconds of the, having the ball. So I think they might have got a little gassed early on in the season, but we'll see. I mean, the ACC play is so different, and yeah. hopefully it's around for it. I'm just hoping for a competitive year again, a year of lots of covers, you know, because they're going to be dogs in almost every ACC game, but hopefully they can keep them close. Uh, team on the schedule, that segues us to our next talking point here. They will face Minnesota in, uh, what is it, seven days? Um, so this is going to be obviously a tough test for Boston College. The Gophers starting out 3-0. and What was this? They played Loyola Merrimont just kind of back-to-back. So what, what do you make so far of the Gophers season at uh, 3-0 start and they face, you know, two, the same team twice out of those three? Yeah, played uh, a real woeful opponent game one but handled them by 30. At Green then, Bay. Uh, yeah, I mean, and you knew – Loyola Marymount would put up a better fight tonight. So, eked out a win. I'll say this, Marcus Carr is possibly the best point guard in the Big Ten. He, he's the first-team All-Big Ten player. Um, he's got the clutch factor. He he played, He played. led the Big Ten in minutes last year. Shooting, assists, rebound, can get triple-doubles type of point uh, player, point guard. We'll see how the depth is. Jamal Mashburn Jr. hasn't really got any minutes yet. 
I haven't really seen how Robbins has done. I haven't got a close look at the box score. They have some size. They have uh, some older guys, so they're not young. They, I mean, we'll see how they do going forward playing some different teams. But, yeah, so far so good, I would say. The Big Ten has collectively played 30 games so far as, you know, a conference. They're 28-2 and two overall. The only losses, Purdue and, of course, Nebraska. Um, Ty, your Gophers look good, 3-0 start. Yeah, no, I, I think the Gophers, I was able to catch pretty much the whole Loyola Marymount game, the first meeting. Um, I caught just a little bit. Their schedule is pretty easy. I mean, they got North Dakota coming up, the Fighting Paul Sathers, BC, and then University of Missouri, Kansas City before it gets real at Illinois. Yeah, no, exactly. And I feel like in years past, Patino has scheduled a pretty easier non-conference. However, it's big just to get the guys with confidence right now. Um, so it's maybe not going to give everyone the real real picture on how they're going to be for the rest of the year, especially going against the Big Ten. Yeah. Uh, Illinois, I think they're just going to absolutely stomp Minnesota. But um, the thing is, no, Matt, Matt hit it well. Marcus Carr, I mean, my God, he can – really create his own shot I mean he's scoring he's doing all these circus shot stuff and then he also matches it on the defensive end with his intensity getting steals uh switching over ball screens and all, all that stuff and no he's just a great rounded player so hopefully yeah um it'll be interesting to see uh Gabe Kalsher struggled a little bit uh, if he can get his three-point shooting down that really opens up the floor um and definitely helps out the Gophers so that Marcus Carr doesn't have to provide 25 points a game every single night. Yeah, so they're looking ahead to possibly a very tough road in the Big Ten Conference. Illinois has got a tough road in between then and now. Um, let's start with them, a 3-0 start. They look like a top-five team. They look like a national contender. Um, we rode them strong the first two days. I rode them into that third day against Ohio. Luckily, they eked out that win, and I didn't realize it, and I'm not – creating a blip on the radar but that was probably a you know a look ahead spot where they've got this game coming up against Baylor Duke after that in six days after um this game coming up on Wednesday um but this is a team to watch I mean Matt you've got me hooked into Illini basketball I've watched all three games so far this team is fun um I'm not going to try and pronounce your guy uh your point guard but Cokeburn Kofi Cokeburn him and uh Dosunmu yeah, Dosumo and Kofi Coburn. I mean, that that one-two punch on the pick and pop is so damn fun to watch. Um, early thoughts for Illinois, they look like the real deal. And then how about these tests coming up here in Baylor and Duke? They did look like the real deal, but I'm not going to harp on the big 60-point wins. That was against Chicago State and NCAA yeah. TNT. I will say this, it's a good sign when uh, your most improved player is also your best player. Io Dosumo is much better than he was last year already. He put 20 pounds onto his frame. He's 6'5". He, he is the best guard in college basketball right now. I'll give him the edge over maybe some talented freshmen. Uh, He's got the clutch gene. He uh, he's, he's shooting better. He's just he's much around. Uh, very improved. Uh, and then Adam Miller, freshman of the week in the Big Ten, the Peoria kid. So that was good to see. Andre Carbello also looked as good as advertised. That was my biggest takeaway. The freshmen looked like they belong. Uh, the older guys got better. So see how that goes. Like you said, they get tested right away next week or this week. They have Baylor and then Duke. We'll uh, oh. Comment on Ohio, yes. I, I was actually glad they got uh, punched in the throat a little bit that game, had to fight it out at the end. 
Ohio's going to compete in the MAC. That's a good team. Three games in three days is tough, but Ohio's in that situation too. Uh, James Preston, probably player of the year in the MAC. And that's the thing when you're Illinois, you're going to get everyone's best shot when you're playing those uh, uh, mid major schools specifically. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but uh, I'm excited to see how they do against Baylor and uh, Gonzaga or Duke. It'll be a real test for both teams. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not going to try to predict anything. I'm just going to enjoy the the real test right away. Ty, what have we seen out of the Big Ten so far? I mean, pretty much what we expected, right? The good teams dominating. No, yeah, absolutely. The big teams dominating. And, I mean, I'd say the middle of the pack teams as well as the lower teams for the most part, like you said, 28 and two, they're getting their jobs done. Hmm. Um, I think the big 10 is going to be just very, very competitive this year. Um, it's going to be interesting to see which stadium or stadiums, which arenas have uh, fans and which ones don't, because with all these games being played, maybe at neutral site, it might, it's going to be interesting this year. Home court isn't going to matter as much. I know some teams um, might be playing back-to-backs or are all of them playing back-to-back. Is the Big Ten doing all back-to-backs? I haven't said yet. They haven't said yet? Okay. So, yeah, no. So, it, it, it'll be interesting um, for sure. Um, but I think it's going to be one of the most competitive, strong Big Tens that we've seen in a while. I still can't believe we're playing games at Mohegan Sun in Connecticut. That is just so funny to me. We're playing these games at a flat-out casino now. Um, okay, let's talk about some top teams in general, some losses, notable wins. Um, and then we'll wrap up with kind of that uh, – yeah, we'll wrap up with this. So, basically, Gonzaga, uh, Baylor, they remain at the top. Iowa has looked good. Luca Garza has looked good. Oh, my God, just one of the worst beats in history, Iowa against Southern, that half-court shot. Um, unbelievable. They could, the camera caught Luca Garza on the bench going, they covered? Um, it's just – yes, everyone knows what the number is. Okay, just get used to it. Wisconsin's still in there, um, or rather moving into the top five. Illinois – they sneak into the top five, and Duke's just hanging there. So the big loss is, I guess, Kansas losing uh, a game against Gonzaga. Gonzaga looks legit. Um, you guys were right there. I was wrong. Villanova, uh, you know, struggled against BC, uh, BC. They get clipped early by Virginia Tech. And then Virginia, uh, they get clipped by San Francisco. So a couple of teams going down early, Matt. Yeah, I wanted to touch on Gonzaga, Kentucky first. Gonzaga look every bit as good as advertised. I won't uh, keep beating the dead drum. I will say, and I didn't mention him in the pod, but Jalen Suggs, the Minnesota kid, he's the top recruit that they've ever gotten. Like, he's a tough – he was a wow. good player. So, think about what he's going to do. You've already saw two games. What, I mean, that first game he had – uh, I think 24, maybe it was 18, but he only played like 20 minutes. And just, I mean, shooting efficient, he's crazy athletic. So yes, of all the good players they've had, none of those guys were like top recruits and you see what Mark Few does with them. Um, yeah. They're exciting. And then Kentucky, I, this isn't an overreaction to them losing to Richmond. One, Richmond is extremely good mid-major, like final and four. And you called that going in. You told me to stay away and they flat out lost outright. Yeah, Richmond is a very uh, – experienced talented mid-major team they they go to the final four out of the a10 they're they're extremely good and kentucky always struggles early but this kentucky team is not passing the eye test for me they did not make a three-pointer yesterday against uh richmond they're always bad shooting threes and they're always bad shooting free throws yes Kentar- K- uh, calipari had the one national championship but it's been the same old story ever since and it hasn't been getting the job done 
And I say this because the guard play looks horrendous. Like they have the athletic wings, BJ Boston, Terrence Clark, Devin Askew. He was walking the ball up while they're down 10 with like a minute left asking what play to run. Like one, they almost got a miracle cover on the over. There was just an asset yes. at all points in the last minute, four points short. Anywho, I, I just don't see that translating into like Kentucky dominating the SEC, going to the Elite Eight. I don't see it this year and I don't. I don't think I'm overreacting, but we'll see. So here's my argument against that one thing. That's what you're going to get with a f- all-freshman team. You're going to have the stinkers, and then you're going to have with a, you know, looking ahead, I've got them beating Kansas. Um, I'm probably wrong, but who knows? You know, it, it's where the talent shows up, and then also the miscues and the mental mistakes show up, as you said, with Askew bringing the ball up with no idea what the hell to run. Um, Ty, early season upsets, that was the other one, was – uh, Matt, the Kentucky one was their top 10 team. And they get blown out by Richmond. Uh, yeah. no, sorry, Tyros. <laughs> That's why you said the Miskies, they were literally pointing out Calipari going, hey, Devin, here's how you feed the post. You can shot fake and bounce pass. You can, <laughs> like he was explaining to him, like he's a fucking second grader. I was just lost it. <laughs> Coach Cal. <laughs> no, um, so the one thing that really caught my eye was that Virginia-San Francisco game. Uh, Virginia usually um, Bennett does a great job of getting guys ready for non-conference games I I mean I think San Francisco is a legit team who we will see in the March Madness tournament which I hope to God there is one this year because it's one of the best of the year Um, however um, it's interesting to see how Virginia ended up losing that game. Um, I, I hope that this is their, one of their only slip-ups. I have them in my final four. They have a lot of experience. So I think that was just uh, out of the ordinary and great win for San Francisco. But hopefully um, Virginia can stay on track. However, the other team that I want to talk about is uh, Nova. Yeah. Um, just because they barely squeaked that game out against uh, – oh, gosh, who was it? I stayed up for the whole game. The game that went to overtime. Do you remember? Uh, I'll look it up for you. Keep on going. Yeah, yeah, no, but uh, it, it was one of the craziest endings I've ever seen. They actually ended up losing that one. So I, uh, they lost by eight. However, yeah. what was yeah, it? Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I uh, don't know if you caught it, but there was a potential charge call, but they called a block at first, and then all of a sudden the they all huddled up and. Um, then up overturning it, guy went to the line for two free throws, end up forcing overtime. I get a miracle over cover. Uh, <laughs> it was unbelievable. Um, but no, there was something missing for Villanova in that game. I don't know what it was. They looked out of sync defensively, um, offensively. They were passing the ball around. They kept passing up open looks, and I just didn't expect to see that from a team who has so many returning guys. And I think the whole thing is just because the season and the offseason was shortened a little bit and they haven't obviously gotten on the court with COVID, um, I I think it's really affecting teams early. Yeah, and Nova, they're uh, 0-3 against the number. And, you know, looking at just kind of some of the teams in the Big East, maybe a little bit stronger than we may have thought. Again, it's early, but Xavier 4-0, St. John's, they start 3-0. Marquette, they've got an interesting game coming up here uh, on a Tuesday. Uh, I don't know. It's interesting. Unless you guys got any more on hoops, we'll shift to college uh, football. Um, as we've got our favorite teams kind of winding down. And I'll, I'll start with BC here just because I'm at this point where it was senior night. 
they get the job done against Louisville, and I'm kind of like, great. You know, Dracovic's injured again. Grossell came in and had to bail us out again to win that game against Louisville. Look, he's going to be a redshirt junior next year. I say don't even play him against Virginia unless he's healthy and he wants to play. I mean, but whatever, we'll take the win. But I, I'm already chalking this up. Here's what's crazy. So the last nine weeks, since uh, BC, since week two, BC has gone kind of win-loss, win-loss. You're right. So they beat Texas State, lost to UNC, but covered. Beat Pitt, lose to Virginia Tech on the road. Beat Georgia Tech, lose to Clemson. Beat Syracuse, lose Notre Dame, beat Louisville. What do you think is going to happen here? I'm obviously going to bet it, but I'm kind of just happy that the season is great. We got six wins, six and four. We could go seven and four. I'm cool with six and five in year one of Halfley. It has been one of the most fun Boston College seasons I can remember. Uh, just having hope that we've got a coach, having hope that we've got an offense. You got Dracovic coming back next year. I think he's going to be one of the top quarterbacks in the ACC, if not the country. You've got David Bailey coming back as a senior, your bulldozer guy who's going to get you about seven to 10 touchdowns a year, averages about 4.4 yards per carry on, you know, a good season. He had four yards per carry this year. Zay Flowers as a junior. He might steal the eye of the country. This guy is legit. He was an unranked athlete out of Florida when he got recruited by Adazio. He might turn himself into a NFL draft player the way he keeps going with Jerkovic and Halfley. So uh, kind of just done with the season there with BC. I know you guys have been watching all season long with me. Thoughts on Halfley? Thoughts on is this program going to make some leaps or uh, am I just being crazy? Oh, you're you're not being uh, unreasonable at all. That you got what you wanted from Halfley. You have a lot to be excited for. I'm with you. If Dracovic is not 100% healthy, there's no reason to play him right no. now. You're playing for absolutely nothing. You still have two more years with him. Yeah. Uh, that's exciting to think about. You so you have a defensive coach now. You have a quarterback who can win games and like really excel at this level. A lot to look at, look forward to. You know, I agree with exactly what both of you guys said. Um, big thing is uh, just to make sure um, down the road that you guys end up having um, th that the coach ends up sticking around because, yeah, if he yeah. ends up getting this, this is just going to be a jumping stone for him. So as long as he sticks around, yeah, you guys have Dracovic for two more years. I think BC is going to be a fun team to watch next year. Well, we were just talking uh, last week for our CBB uh, manifesto about Brian Wardle and the, you know, the Marquette, right, his alma mater that makes you super nervous and restless at night that he's going to leave. I went searching. I was like, oh, God. All right, where's Halfley going to leave us for? I went searching. He, he like, played football at, like, Siena College. Like, he, you know, he, he kind of just grass – he's a grassroots New England guy who kind of worked his way up to spend some time in the NFL. Like, doesn't really have an allegiance – to anything which has made me super pumped you know and it's awesome so I'm jacked up and as you said uh possibly years to come for this BC program think about it. it it all starts from here when Clemson was doing nothing and they were just a laughing stock in college football and then all of a sudden you get Dabo in there and you're producing you know wide receiver products at a first round rate and then all of a sudden you take over the ACC conference um it's ripe for the taking again don't think Notre Dame is going to make it its permanent home, permanent home. I would love it if they did. I mean, it's fun. It's been fun seeing Notre Dame here in the ACC. Um, Zach Kelly believes they will be crowned champs this year. Don't know if maybe Matt's with him on that or maybe a little bit more reserved. But, you know, Notre Dame, every single challenge that's been thrown in front of them, every single time I've faded them and wanted to, uh, they have shoved it right down my throat. So, again, 
Notre Dame, the Cinderella story keeps on climbing. Is it going to be 2012 again? Is Manti Teo uh, going to give a girlfriend to Ian Book? Or is this going to be something different? Is this going to be something special in the 2020 pandemic year? I'll say this about Notre Dame. Well, for one, I heard you talking about that on the Corbett's Corner to from Monday. And you asked Ty about it, and he talked about who's going to win the college football playoff, and he didn't even mention Notre Dame. That's just criminal even, uh, to do. So that's that. Yes, they continue to answer the call. I said this before. I'll say it again. I think Clemson is their third most impressive win of the season, and I say that because they followed that up with a nice, convincing win in Boston College. Ian Book played his best game, and then they followed that up, shutting down North Carolina in the second half to zero points. I, uh, Ty's probably heard me say this stats to uh, somebody, but North Carolina had gone 16 straight games over 400 yards of offense and six straight games over 500 yards of offense. Notre Dame held them to 298. Um, yeah. Clark Lee, defensive coordinator, he's a guy who's going to uh, get a head coaching job at a smaller school here soon. He's young. He's swimming talented. And then in the other coordinator, Tommy Reese, is uh, really getting some attention. He's like he's not even 30 years old. Uh, former quarterback has been – I think he's been the perfect fit for Ian Book. Uh, last year, their OC left or they parted – it was a mutual leaving. So they gave Tommy Reese the interim job for a couple of games. They like what they saw in that tryout, basically. Gave him the full-time thing. It's been great for – uh, for everybody involved, I'll say this about the teams who are going to make the playoffs. So it's going to be uh, Alabama for sure, likely Clemson, unless Notre Dame beats them a second time. Mm-hmm. Ohio State if they qualify, but that's a whole other question. Like, yeah. so they're one, they're not going to play six regular season games because uh, they're going to get canceled this weekend. So then they'll max out at five. I don't know if that would disqualify them from the playoff because it disqualifies them from the uh, Big Ten. So, anyway, it'll be them or it'll be Florida or Texas A&M and Notre Dame, presumably. That's what this win against North Carolina did. Unless they lose by 60 to Clemson, they're going to be in the playoff. Clemson's the only one – or Notre Dame is the only team out of those that has a defense. So, take that as you will. If Ian Book can continue to make plays and win them games, their defense will keep them in it. No one is going to go for – if anyone's throwing up 40 on them like Clemson did, Notre Dame will match them point for point. So right. uh, I'll say that, and I'll say if there's a year that Notre Dame can do it and kind of, you know, win the big game, win the playoff under Kelly, it's going to be in 2020 this year when everything else doesn't make sense. So, yeah, the first thing I want to do is apologize to you, Matt. I did not bring up Notre Dame on Monday because – uh, that was actually earlier today uh, because uh, Zach Kelly was sitting there just licking his chops, ready to get going. And <laughs> he was. I, mean, I could tell he was just salivating. Was I wanted to pass a torch over to him so that he could get that in. But I, I completely agree with you. I think it's going to be Alabama. I think it's going to be Notre Dame. I'd love to see those two get into the final or get into the championship because I think that'll just be one hell of a game. Uh, and then the other two I think is – in complete jeopardy right now with this whole COVID and being able to qualify for games and all all that nonsense. So I think the college football committee has a big decision to make with how they're going to handle this. And I can just say that I'm very glad that I am not the one making that decision. Yeah. I'm right in that same boat with you. Um, Yeah. It's tough again, because it's, if they don't play and it's going to come down to Ohio state being five and O with a win over like, what's their greatest win, a seven point win over Indiana 
13 points right. over an ass Penn State or, you know, this win yep. over an ass Michigan. That's going to really leave either Florida or Texas A&M will have one loss, so it will leave one of them really pissed off. Now imagine if Florida beats Alabama in the SEC championship. Yeah, and then, again, we really don't wish we were those guys. Yeah. Um, basically, I, just my point is uh, Bama's yeah. playing LSU this weekend. Uh, Saban's going to be back. They proved, again, they're a dominant team without them. Um, I, I, I think Bama's the best team in the country. I do too. I hope I don't hope, but what if we get this scenario? One loss: Alabama, Notre Dame, Clemson, uh, Florida, Texas A and M, and a five and zero Ohio State. <laughs> yeah, and undefeated BYU. You know, and undefeated Cincinnati. Which Cincinnati. that's a good point. In the first playoff that came out last week, those two were like thirteen and fourteen. Yeah, they got that's screwed. Crazy. No matter what you do, no matter what you do the last couple of games of the season, it doesn't matter. You, uh, you're going to be behind a two-loss Pac-12 champion if that happens. Like, that's what that told them. So, I think it's unfortunate because they, they're both pretty damn good. Do they face each other in the bowl? Probably. But then, the yeah. This know. is the fucking year to just be like, okay, fucking six teams. Six teams. God damn it. Six teams. Have two buys. Um, top two teams with a buy. And even just going forward, have the – well, you know, I, I've heard the thing thrown out, group of five and then one extra. But it's like, you know, then Georgia's going to be like, well, wait a second, you know, we're still better than BYU. But. <laughs> I think they were afraid that, you know, of it, let, let's do eight this year. Everyone's going to want to stick to that. And they were like afraid they would never be able to get back to keeping it at four. I do think they should change to at least six. Why not eight? Because um, there's always six to eight teams. And, yeah, it's really – it, for the last five years, it's been three teams, but it, we might as well have the other games then since we know it's going to come down to Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State. The uh, college-exclusive pod here, basketball, football, on a Corbett's Corner on a Wednesday. Again, we're recording this here on a Monday night. Um, let's just wrap up with this. Uh, Cruz, you had wrote down Pac-12. I assume that's just basically Oregon losing in the Civil War to Oregon State. Um, and just the Pac-12, their hopes residing on USC, hoping to go undefeated. But again, not enough games. Uh, no one's going to care about USC. Um, yeah, so the Pac-12, again, they kind of – they waited, waited. And, you know, it, it's tough. The virus is tough. And, you know, you're seeing at all levels, all different uh, leagues of how it's just being affected. But you're seeing the ACC teams at least get in a full season because they started on time and, you know. Uh, I still think it's absolutely incredible that Boston College is not – it's unfathomable how they have not had a positive test uh, since July. Like, that's – I don't even understand how that's possible. If they weren't a Jesuit college, I would think something shady is going on. Um, but, yeah, that will wrap up Corbett's Corner.